BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and uh, thanks for coming back for episode 23. Before I get started, I wanted to thank you guys, everybody, for um, the comments about the best interest evaluation, the episode I did last week. It's an uphill battle, but you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, I kept my cool as well as I could, and I actually feel like I didn't. But um, thank you guys for listening to that episode, and uh, I'll keep you posted as I have more sessions with the best interest evaluator and. You know, we'll see how it goes. I hope, you know, my next stop's manipulating the situation at every twist and turn. But um, I have an amazing guest for you guys today. Um, this story is kind of unlike anyone I've, I've heard um, with all the people I've talked to. And the ending of this story is going to leave your jaw on the floor. I can absolutely promise you that. Um, before we get started, as always, I'm going to plug my normal stuff. So please follow me on Instagram and on TikTok at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. Please send me an email if you'd like to be on the show. Um, you can email me at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com. And please give the podcast five stars on Spotify and five stars on Apple Podcast and leave a review. Let's get to our next episode, guys. Put your seatbelts on. All right, everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. I am here with my new friend, Joy. Joy, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. (laughs) So uh, I am really excited to have Joy on because she and I have become almost like pen pals on Instagram. We we message all the time and we text all the time. And, um, you know, she's super involved with my Instagram page um, and we've gotten to be really good friends. So um, I've gotten to learn a bit about her story and um, it blew me away. And that's why I wanted to have her on because I know it's going to blow all you guys away. So Joy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited. I like was telling Mac, I am so happy that I met him and like met a lot of people on this community page of helping me realize and make sense of some of the toxicity that's happened to me. And I'm hoping like the way some of these people have touched me, um, like Mac and Bo and Regina, um, Mm -hmm. they've really helped me. So I'm hoping that my story as difficult as it can be to tell will help even one person. Um, I'm sure it will. And, and thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always really pleased with some of these guests that I've had on here and, uh, you know, your story is going to help a lot of people. I'm really confident in that. So, um, I mean, let's get started. Let's dive right into it. Where do you want to go? Well, I do want to start off um, for the listeners with a trigger warning. Mm, boy. Yeah. Don't, don't spoil the punchline, though, or whatever you want to call it. Don't spoil the climax just yet. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I know these things can be sensitive anyhow, and I would hope anyone listening to this mm-hmm. would realize that um but i would say part of my story has a trigger yeah trigger warning for everybody listening but um you're very strong for telling it so so i'm excited to have you here thank you so So go for it okay okay so um like my next as you would call it 
like when I first met him, um, which now it's been seven years ago, Mm -hmm. I met him at where I was working and um, I was working at Verizon at the time and he would come in and buy all kinds of stuff for me, which was awesome because I made really badass commission there. (laughs) Um, And so all the guys, I basically worked with all men. um, Mm -hmm. They must sell better than us girls, but so he would come in, buy all the stuff and all the guys there would just like tease me and say, oh, he likes you. And I'm like, no, he, he doesn't like, he just wants to buy stuff. Well, they were right. And he started, you know, asking me out when he'd come in and I would make up so many excuses. Like, I'm so terrible about that when anyone asks me out. Listen, I'll tell you what, from a guy's perspective, right? Like if I was going into a Verizon store, store I might go one time to buy a phone. I'm not going to repeatedly go into Verizon. So I'm sure there was something to it. Well, he was buying like speakers and stuff. And then he'd have an issue with his phone. <laughs> um, so I thought it was legit at the time. But I started making excuses um, not to go with him. And so pretty much he started leaving me alone. And we ended up becoming Facebook friends. And then um, it took like me eight months before I went out with him. So why initially were you saying no? I just, I don't just go out with people easily. Okay. And I don't know. I, I'm really weird. Like I don't like to go out with quote unquote strangers. I mean, I would suck at the whole online dating. But everybody's thing. a stranger. What does that mean? <laughs> Um, I like to get to know somebody before I date them, I guess. I like to not feel pressured. Okay, that's fair. That's good boundary setting. <laughs> yes. Well, let's dive into the rest of the story. Oh, shit. Well, don't make me take my compliment back. <laughs> um, so here we go with that. Um, <laughs> the first time that I hung out with him, it went really well. He had a hot tub at his house. Um mm. Yes, I love music. He loves music. And so we're drinking, listening to music, went in the hot tub for a little while. Um, and that was like a common thing we would do anyway later in the relationship. But right away at the end of the day, he sat me down and basically told me that he had went to prison for a year and a half, I believe it was, for a domestic violence charge against his ex-wife. How many dates was it into that, into the relationship when he told you that? It was on the first. Uh, yeah. Okay. He, so, okay. So huge red flag. But he had I, a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And the Fuck. big speakers I sold him at Verizon. <laughs> oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was pretty much like, yeah, like knowing that I cannot see you anymore. Um, And he was like, okay, fair. Mm. Well, I had a therapist at the time that I went to every week and I told her about it. And she's like, well, it might not necessarily be a red flag because he did tell you upfront on Mm -hmm. the first. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was like, and there's two sides to every story. Cause of course he was telling me like that it was, you know, issues with the woman cheating and that she had naked pictures on her computer and he was grabbing at that when, right, when he, you know, accidentally hurt her. Well, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm just thinking, and, and you know, I'm trying to relate to the story as you tell it a little bit. So I'm just thinking, as you say, like he said on the very first date that, you know, he had been to jail, right? And in my dating game, right, like this divorce and... I don't talk about my podcast on the first fucking date, but this divorce (laughs) is such a large part of my deal right now. So I'm not trying to play devil's advocate, but maybe he was just trying to get it out in the open. I mean, I know, I know the story is going to get a lot worse, but maybe he was just trying to get it out and open on the first date. Yeah. That's the crazy thing is I actually appreciated that he did that. Um, And that's why it, I mean, it threw me off. But I think that's why I stayed open to still dating him. And then I was talking, like I said, to my therapist, um, who I saw regularly, who I felt like knew me really well, um, knew her shit. And she was like, well, two sides to every story. It may not be, you know, a red flag. If you like him, go ahead and continue to see him and kind of go from there. That's what we do as empaths. We give people the benefit of the doubt. 
Yes, I'm so terrible about that. I believe the best in everyone until they prove me like so, so wrong. That's not a bad way to be. I hope not. I, it's not. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's the good part in me is like I always have hope and I always believe the best in people. You can still be guarded and still take people at face value. I like that. That is actually really deep because it is. <laughs> I wasn't intentional. It's just, thank you. Yes. Thank you. No, I, I think that's pretty profound because you do, you just have to accept it at face value, you know? Mm. Um, so anyway, like I continued to see him and we, I just had so much fun with the guy. Like, um, I love hiking and being outdoors and snowboarding. Um, I mean, I don't want to say I love partying, but I love partying from the standpoint of I'm very extroverted and he had a ton of friends. Um, He was a realtor and just, we'd always be hanging out with his friends. Um, We'd go to the bar and I just met so many people through him and to be active with somebody um, pretty much every day was amazing to me because there's not a lot of people at least that I found that will just go offer to like take a hike with you or take you snowboarding or do those outdoorsy things I mean there's a word for that (laughs) what's that love bombing they want to mirror you and they want you you know and like listen like again you could take people at face value and you'd say okay well they're just a nice person and they're interested in me and they want to do all the shit that I want to do Um, but I think in the early stages, knowing what I know now, I want to put a little distance in between me and that person, even if I like them for just getting to know each other. I want to put, I want absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Very true. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, until I started like in this community, seeing all the terms that you guys use, (laughs) I was like, what the hell is love bombing? You know, it's, I love, I mean, I love it. I love, love bombing. I love, (laughs) (laughs) I do like being put on a pedestal. I like being told that I'm beautiful. I like that somebody likes all the same stuff I do and they're willing to go do it. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably why I fell into it. You know, can't blame you. Can't blame you. Yeah. So apparently he was love bombing me, but you know, we did all these things I love to do. Um, And then he always had these fun stories and he was very trying to think of the word, just, it was more than just being an extrovert. He had to have command of the whole room almost. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know, to me, it was over the top at times. It was part of what I admired in him but it was also just over the top that he had to have the center of attention on him at all times do you think you were attracted to the confidence is that what it was yeah I think so and like I said just the fact that he did have a lot of friends and did kind of attract people Mm -hmm. in that way so yeah I definitely liked it and then um Like I said, we were really both into music and concerts. And so we just did a lot of those cool things, whether it was love bombing or mutual interests. I'm not sure. Um, Given the benefit of the doubt here, um, which I should have never done. so, So kind of getting into some of the more serious stuff where it started getting weird and the gaslighting um, started coming in was so back to when I was on Facebook because I'm not on there anymore. He would be tagged in pictures and I don't know how Facebook works now, but it would like pop up in my timeline and all of a sudden it'd be gone (laughs) and it'd be like him and women, you know, or him doing things with other women, like out to the movies or out, you know, one of the girls, her parents had like a swimming pool in their house and he was over there. And So I'd be like, am I going crazy? So I'd call him out on it. So I'm like, no. And I'd go look on the girl's page and see the picture is still up there, but it wouldn't be on his page because he untagged himself. Well, I I remember back in the day that 
you weren't able to untag. So, I mean, I don't know how long ago this was, but I remember a time when you weren't able to untag yourself. So uh, as you're telling the story, I'm thinking in my head, I wonder like those, those pictures got tagged and he got, and it posted and he had to like freak out and be like, yo, 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 take it down, take it down, take it down. No, I'm pretty sure. Cause you could untag yourself then. Um, I mean, it was like probably seven years ago ish, but, but yeah, so I started seen that and I'd call him out on it and he'd be like oh I'm friends with so-and-so and so we went and did x y and z and he was needy as far as wanting to hang out all the time so honestly it'd be a night where I'd say no I can't hang out you know every single day I mean at night like we both had jobs but yeah yeah so which was a lot for me. I'm not a needy person. I have children. I'm a single mom. I work, you know, all those things that you get to do when you're adulting. So I noticed if it was a day I couldn't hang out that that's when he would be tagged in those photos. So part of me was suspicious, but honestly, the other part of me was like, at least he's not bugging me, you know? Sounds like at least you were the primary, but he sounds like he had a lot of side chicks. Yeah. And at the time I sort of bought into, or maybe just wanted to believe what he said about like, they're just friends. Um, and he did have a lot of friends being a realtor. So define friends. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. Um, so then here's the thing. Did he take you to meet these friends? I had actually met some of them, Mm. but yeah, but I think it was, I'm trying. Okay. Sorry about that. (laughs) <laughs> no, don't be diplomatic. Let's hear it. Um, no, I feel like he started treating me as though I was just his friend when I'd meet certain people to where mm-hmm. I got very mixed messages and I would be very confused. How far into the relationship was this? Mm, maybe probably only like six months ish. Okay. That's, that's quick. You know, that's early. Yeah. Um, but to me, we were just dating. So I guess it's not like I was hardcore, like you're my boyfriend. I love you. I want to be with you forever. Um, so it bothered me and I questioned it, but I also disbelieved him when he told me they were friends, I guess. So then fast forward to probably about a year and a half to, eh, it had to be like two years in. You know, so we've been having all these fun times, hanging out with friends. I met his family, was getting close to them. I met his daughter. She lives in Georgia and she, we live in Michigan and she would just come um, to see him basically like for the summer um, and then spring break and holidays and stuff. So I was getting close to the family, getting closer to him. And we were outside. I just remember it like it was yesterday. Um we were outside on his back deck and I can get pretty sarcastic and snotty, but it's all in fun. <laughs> um, so I was making some kind of snotty comment and it was summer. I, I had a little sundress on and heels um, and his, he had a bulldog and his bulldog was out there and I made some comment and I was like, dramatically turning on my heel like a Taylor Swift kind of move (laughs) and about to go inside through the slider and he shoves me and I literally fell on the floor like I skidded across the floor and fell oh my god it sounded like you were flirting and then he shoved you yeah so I just remember it like it was yesterday and at first I was in shock and then why did he shove you honestly, no idea. And he denied it. Um, I don't know if he took my sarcasm seriously. What did I really, you say? I'm trying to remember now. It was something about him being bald, but I mean, he, I don't, he shaved his head. I don't think he was bald from being old or something. Um, but the sun, he was, his head was getting burnt. It was summertime. So I was making jokes about that, but I was just being facetious, you know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't just mean shoved you for no reason. Like not no reason, but like a gross over exaggeration nonetheless. Yeah. And so it just shocked me. And then I stood up, I grabbed my purse off from his counter, and I was like, I can't believe you just shoved me. And I'm like, you know, I am leaving. I'm gonna go home. We're done. Like I won't deal with this. 
So initially he was, I didn't shove you. It didn't happen. You know, everything's fine. And I'm like, no. So I went home. I blocked him from my phone. Cause I'm like, I will not deal with this dude ever again. Um, so I blocked him. I, my daughter, um, came home from a friend's house later. She went to bed. So I had taken an Ambien and went to bed because I have a lot of issues with sleeping. Um, and he knew that I would take Ambien at night and knew like that I had issues sleeping. I kid you not. I wake up in the middle of the night to this huge figure standing at the door in my bedroom. What the fuck? Yeah. I thought it was a bad dream because, you know, on Ambien, you have some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in a fog. And it scares me. So like I startle awake. He had sent his friend who's this big, bulky, like Flintstone looking dude. Like he looks like Barney. So his friend is standing in the doorway when I'm thinking it's this figure, you know, and it's this big Flintstone Barney looking guy. That's a friend of his. And then I see my next walk up behind him. So I'm like, okay, this isn't just a bad dream. This is really happening. And I'm like, what are you doing here? What's going on? And he says, well, you're drugged out on Ambien. You don't know what you're talking about. And it's not safe for your daughter. So we're taking you and her and you're going to go stay at my parents' house. And I'm like, what? So I don't remember anything because I was on Ambien um, and people like sleepwalk on that and don't remember things. Yo, for the listener right now, my jaw is dropped. (laughs) Holy crow. Okay. So the next thing I remember is I'm laying on the floor on a dog bed and I see this huge chandelier bright in front of my eyes and I'm at his parents' house laying there like an idiot I probably did look like I was you know so drugged up yeah and so I'm like what is going on and he's like well I had to show my parents the state of mind that you're in and they're gonna keep overnight and you're gonna go home with me oh my fucking god the nerve of him to tell you how to take your daughter yeah yeah and I'm way out of it so yeah So I'm thinking what's going on. So I remember saying she was already asleep. She was already in bed. You know, she doesn't wake up for anything and she's old enough that if she did, it would have been fine. I mean, she was like nine or 10 at the time. It's not like she was a little baby and I wasn't going to be able to get up and feed her in the middle of the night. So, yeah. So the next thing I remember after all this is waking up at his house in his bed And I'm obviously freaking out because I'm like, oh my gosh, all this happened. So I start flipping out. And of course, I don't have my car where I can just leave and go grab my daughter. I'm stuck at this man's house. Oh my God. My heart is like beating out of my chest. Yeah. It was not a fun experience. So he takes me back to his parents because my daughter had a gymnastics meet that day. And I'm like, she has to be to her gymnastics meet. I have to bring her. And he says, well, I'm going to take you just what I want to be with some guy who just took my daughter to his parents acting like I'm a druggie, you know, basically kidnapped me out of my house in the middle of the night. And it's not like you're fucking married, you know, like, it's not like he has any autonomy over you. Like who the hell does he think he is? (laughs) Exactly. And even if we were married, I'd be like, um, okay, bitch, I'm on Ambien. I'm not like coked out or something. So um, we go to the gymnastics meet and I'm just sitting there. I know all these parents and they're all like, hey, how's it going? And I had been crying. I'm trying to make this an okay day for my daughter, who's probably like not understanding at all what's going on at the time. And so I'm just trying to be the best mom I can, not freak out. And yet this guy who just scared the crap out of me is sitting next to me during this whole 
you know, like three hour gymnastics meet. Did you like fight him on it? There wasn't, I mean, yeah, but there wasn't a lot I could do because I didn't have my car. My daughter was at his parents and I was stuck at his house and we lived about a half hour away. And then of course I didn't want to freak her out. But I do remember when we were at his parents' house, you know, fighting with him about it. Like, no, you're going to bring me home and I'm going to drive. And then his mom stepping in and and saying, you don't need to be fighting in front of your daughter. You don't need to be scaring her and just acting like I'm being irrational. So yeah, I could not believe she was saying I was irrational. After all, he just put you through, but you know, I don't want to defend her either. Um, But she probably didn't know the whole story. And you're sleeping on a fucking dog bed all hopped <laughs> up on Ambien. So like, shit, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Right. I mean, and I probably did look <clears throat> irrational to them and not like someone who was capable of taking care of her daughter. But again, middle of the night and all that. So mm-hmm. made it through the gymnastics meet that I was forced to go to with him right there. And then after that, I still told him, you know, I'm done. We're not talking. I can't do this. Made sure my doors were always locked because I think one of my other kids had left it unlocked. And the town we live in, it's this little touristy town and it's super safe. So people leave their doors unlocked all the time. So that's how him and his little mafia-esque guy got in? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Jesus. I know it's so insane. Lock your doors, kids. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So definitely started locking the doors more after that. And I blocked him. I blocked him on everything. And I'm thinking, you know, one of his side chicks got his interest because he finally did leave me alone. And so we were broke up about a year, I would say, maybe a little less. And I don't know if you know how this is, but at least for me, you start when you're broke up to only remember the good things. I mean, this was one bad day. Of course. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a really bad day, but it was one bad day. Mm. And so we're broke up. I'm starting to remember the good things. And you know, probably you being the kind of person you are, you were probably looking at it with like, well, I was on Ambien and maybe I was in the wrong. And you started taking your own stock and being like, well, maybe I kind of fucked up. And he, he, he was gaslighting you to believing that you did something wrong. So you probably were. Yeah, I agree. I was feeling that way. And even with him pushing me down, I was like, maybe I was being a bitch. Maybe I was being overdramatic. Yeah. You know, maybe he didn't mean to push me that hard. You know, he's six foot three and he probably doesn't know his strength. That's, that's the difference between us and them, you know, us and them is that we can look at ourselves and be like, all right, well, I did do this, 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 and this, and maybe I deserved this, you know, and I've been in that position, like shit, maybe I deserved this, you know, but like when, when the blinders come off down the road, you're like, I didn't deserve any of that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, yeah, it's so crazy. Like you said, it's complete blinders, like rose-colored glasses mm-hmm. all the time. I always like that phrase. You were like that for what? I'm sorry. I said, I always like that phrase, rose-colored uh, glasses, yeah. Yes, my little Jesus glasses. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was about a year, and his daughter and my daughter had became really good friends. Um, she would be like, that's my best friend in Georgia. And his daughter would be, that's my best friend in Michigan. And they had some secret little girl handshake that they did. Uh Yeah. And his daughter loved me too. And I adore kids. I mean, I've been teaching the last six years, a little bit more than that. And so kids are my jam. Like it was. And once your kid gets enmeshed with his kid, it's harder to leave. It is. Yeah. And it was, it was bad. So basically I feel like he kind of used his daughter to bait me back in while we were broken up because she came back into town for the summer and we have a cottage up at Silver Lake here that we go to every year. And she had went with us before 
And so she had asked me like, Joy, can I come to the cottage with you guys for the week? So I was like, sure. And I still had her dad blocked and all that. And then I went to pick her up, which was at his house. And he came out and he was being decent, loading her stuff up. And I see him and I'm like, oh man, you know, like all these feelings are still there. The good ones, the butterflies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so he packs her up, sends like money for me to pay for her stuff and all that. And then he's like, you know, it would be helpful if you unblocked me since you're going to have my daughter for the week. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'd want to be able to get a hold of whoever had my child for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you can kind of tell where it's going to go from here. Um, I forgave him. I like went back in, got sucked back in. And I will say those butterflies that I had started turning into panic attacks. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know what I heard recently, and I may have said this on another episode, I think. Um, I read somewhere recently that the butterflies that people always like fawn over are not necessarily a good thing. That's your nervous system going, oh, fuck. Like there could be something wrong. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a fight or flight type thing. Um, You're supposed to feel peace and not butterflies. And I'm kind of like, I read that somewhere. And now like in my dating life now, I want to feel peace. I don't necessarily want to feel the butterflies. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think about that now too. And the bad thing is I loved the butterflies. I loved feeling that like, oh, excitement almost over seeing someone. Because all those, those Disney fairy tales that drugged us when we were little, we always thought like, you're supposed to feel those butterflies, but you're not supposed to feel peace. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And you're right. I mean, peace is worth everything now. Mm -hmm. So I liked the butterflies until they turned into panic attacks. I was on my way to his house one night and I legit thought I was having a heart attack. I was ready to drive myself to the hospital. Yikes. Yeah. So I'm like, I called him and I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. Da 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 da. I'm going to go to the hospital. And then he's like, no, just come here. We'll figure it out. <laughs> no big deal. You're just having a heart attack. Oh my God. And he's probably going to throw that back in your face now. Um, like you're so unstable right. or something. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I walked in the house and he had a glass of water for me. And I literally was like in the corner bawling, drinking this water, like full out panic attack, which I had never had in my entire life. So when I went back this time, he started becoming super obsessive and it just got really bad. This is when it started going way downhill. He started hating my friends and family, like none of them were good enough. He wanted me just to be around his friends and family. And he would send me flowers like every single day. I think because, yeah, it was weird. I think he knew like he was messing up or doing something wrong or maybe was going to lose me again. I don't know. It was 
it was not nice. <laughs> well, I said before, there's a word for that. And there's a word for this one now too. Hoover. Uh, Hoovering. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not good with the narcissist terms. Okay? That's okay. I'll help you out. That's why I'm here. I appreciate that. Um, Bo's really good with all those terms too. I'm like, where did you come up with that? Bo's very well read. (laughs) He is. He'll send me all these articles and videos and I'm like, I don't know if I want to know this much about it. (laughs) Um, Yes, definitely Hoovering, like you said. Um, Then he started having me share my location with him. And I've never been an advocate of that, but it was always like, well, you know, then we'll know where each other is at the, all the time. And we'll make sure that we're safe and I'll know that you're okay. No, I will never do that. I will never do that ever. I will never do that again. <laughs> Cause it's just, that's just like saying you don't trust me. And if you don't trust me, like there's no reason for me to do that. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I don't leave that exciting of a life. Like, where are you going to watch me drive? Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the grocery store. Are you really, are you really in the grocery store? Like it just, it just opens the door for so many just distrust. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So it pretty much was an open invitation for him to stalk me. So he would start showing up places that I was continually, you know, the gym, um, the park across the street from my house. Um, the, one of my favorite places to hike, which is in the woods that is, there's a park, but it's in the woods and he'd show up there. I mean, how scared was I to have him show up at the place where I'm hiking through the woods? Yeah. Especially when he shows up in your house at the middle of the night. Right. So one of the times he's stalking me and I told him, I'm like, you need to leave or I'm going to call the police because this is stalking. So he's still following me. You know, I don't even remember what he was saying. And I called 911 and they're like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I just ran across the park because my, at this time it was actually, he was my fiance, Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother story. But um, I'm like my, you know, ex fiance or whatever I called him at the time is stalking me and I'm running across the park. He's like, well, which direction are you going in? I'm like, I don't know towards the gas station. Like I'm thinking about directions right now, you know, I'm going Southeast. So then she's still talking me through it. And I said, you know what? It's too late. He's right here now. And I hung up the phone because he literally had caught up to me. And I'm thinking, whatever's going to go down is going to go down. So he's being all careful because he knows I called the police. And one of his biggest fears was he was like, I'm never going to go back to, you know, like jail or whatever. Never going to go back to prison. I'll do anything not to do that. So we walk back to my house because that's where I was, is at the park across from my house. And the police show up. Um, Of course, it's after, like, we're already in the house. So um, my next goes outside and is talking to the officer. And here's this very prominent realtor. His family is very involved in the community. You know, it's that type of thing. And so he's out there just talking and being the police and, and he's like, what's going on? So I'm telling him, well, you know, he's coming here unannounced. He's stalking me, you know, and he's like, well, he said, you guys are engaged. And he just came to pick up a couple of things and that he's just allowed to come in whenever he wants. And I was like, no, well, I had a freaking ring on my finger. So I'm sure the officer's like, mm. and I didn't have any injuries. So they're kind of just like, whatever, you know, be on your way type of thing. So literally nothing happened. Oh my God. How scary. Yeah. So it started getting worse. Um, at this point, I understand why women can't leave and we weren't living together. Um, thank God. But I get why people say, you know, I can't, you know, why they can't leave. And I hate the question of, well, why did you stay? Why did you stay? Well, when someone's beating the shit out of you, stalking you, obsessing over you, you know, watching your every move, how you're not willingly with that person, but how do you leave? You know, the police are there and they're not listening to you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard to explain to somebody who's never been through it. And everybody always says, well, that would never happen to me. And I never thought it would happen to me until it did. And 
you know, like all these red flags, like, why didn't you leave at this point? Why didn't you leave at this point? Why didn't you leave at this point? And it's not a sign of weakness as much as it's a sign of just how enmeshed and intertwined you are with this person. And, you know, and that's what we have to deal so much with towards the end of it is that regret of why didn't I leave when he was in the middle of my house, you know, in the middle of the night? Or why didn't I leave when he was following me through the woods? And now you look back and you go, fuck, man, like, you know, this is the boundaries that I have to set now moving forward. Yeah. And it is, it's hard to tell my story because looking back, you know, there is kind of that shame of, oh my gosh, if my friend were sitting here telling me this, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I will do anything to help you. Let's go directly to the police station. Let's get you away from him. And, And I look like, from the outside looking in, it does look like, wow, how did you deal with all that? Yeah. Um, but again, I didn't really feel like I had a choice because here's this person that I'm scared of that just keeps coming around. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, not very far from that incident of him stalking me, he starts breaking into my house and I didn't know how he was getting in. Well, come to find out he broke a basement window and was climbing through that. Oh my God. Yeah. Coming up my stairs and I'd be in the living room, chilling on the couch and he would just, the way that it's set up, I would not see him come around the corner until he's right there in front of me. And so he got in this routine where he would come in, grab my phone, my purse and my keys right away. And that way he knew that I was stuck. Shit. You need a restraining order. Maybe we'll get to that. Yes. Yes. Yep. And so um, he had one time I remember very clearly in my head and it's, it's awful to mention, but um, you know, hopefully it helps someone out there if they're dealing with this, but he came in same way, came around the corner, grabbed my stuff, literally pulled me by my hair off the couch and started pulling me around the room by my hair, calling me names, you know, telling me what a piece of crap I am, calling me a bitch, just telling me I'm like a lazy piece of shit, all kinds of crazy stuff. And afterwards, like after he would hurt me, he'd be so sweet. And I don't know if that's called love bombing or what the term is. Um, but I know it's in that vicious abuse cycle you know, where they treat you so bad and it gets to that terrible point, but then they just start to not like fawn at you, but do you know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, from some of the stories that I've heard, and I'm really sorry that you you went through that. Some of the stories that I've heard is, um, you know, they don't want to lose you for whatever reason that might be, whether it be supply or whatever it may be, and they don't want to lose you. Um, so they go into this apologetic mode, um, but that doesn't mean that they're going to actually change their behavior. Yeah. And I think because I was beaten down so bad that any little like shred of hope like that, that he was going to change or, oh, he's being really nice. I think I held on to that in some weird, sick way. Like that was my little bit of hope. I'm sorry. And thank you. Yeah, it was not pleasant. Um, so then he had his daughter again, because suddenly it's summertime and he was in some sort of altercation with her and she had called me, um, and it was from his phone. So I thought it was him calling me. So I had answered and she was crying and she's like, joy, he just hit me. And I'm like, what? And I said, you need to call your grandma, you know, or somebody and get out of there. And I said, I can come pick you up. So he gets on the phone, obviously grabs it away from her. And he is, that's not what happened. She took my glasses off and she's the one who hit me. And I'm thinking in my head, because by this time, mm, I believe she was 14. So I'm thinking, okay, so some little 14 year old is really beating up her six foot three dad. Yeah. Come on, you know, give me how, a break. yeah, like, how, yeah, who's gonna blame their own kid when you have abused? You're gonna blame your child, you're gonna actually project that it was your child doing it. Oh my God. So, yeah, so her grandma picked her up, brought her to my house, and like I said, we're in a really touristy town. So, I took her down to our boardwalk and pier, and there's a bunch of fun stuff down there. So, I just, you know, wanted her to have a better time. 
So then I started thinking about it more and more because he's blowing up my phone about having her and he starts getting really weird um, saying that like I'm kidnapping his daughter from him and that that's his daughter and he needs her back. And I'm thinking in my head, oh my gosh, who knows what he's going to do now. And now there's a kid involved. Holy shit. And at the time, Yeah. And at the time, my kids were with their dad for the summer. So I just had his daughter there. And I'm thinking, okay, are her and I going to be in some kind of danger here? So he is saying he's going to come over and get her because it's his daughter. I shouldn't have her, blah, blah, blah. So I told his daughter, if you feel uncomfortable at all, I'm going to hide my phone up here on the fridge under these papers Um, Because otherwise he usually takes my phone, but this is like, you know, you give me a look and I'll grab the phone or if something's going on, you can grab it. So here we are. How sad is that? Making a plan of what to do. Yeah. So he comes in and he's just in a rage and up in her face, yelling at her, freaking out. So I kind of gave her the look and she's nodding. So I grab the phone and while he's doing all this, I call 911 because it was just getting ridiculous to where I knew it was going to escalate. And I called and he hung the phone up. Well, 911 texts you back. I found out if, if you hang the phone up and don't answer. So his daughter had the phone at this point. And I was like, if you feel unsafe, then you know, text them back. And he's in her face telling her not to. So I was like, well, just give me my phone to her. So I texted them back because I think it said, you know, something about, do you feel unsafe? You know, type yes. So I did. And so the police um, were coming and he knew that we had, you know, called on him and then texted. So he took off. Um, cause again, guy that isn't going to go to jail again. So he just yeah. leaves. Yeah. So I told the police and I had them call her mom in Georgia. I'm like, look, you need to call her mom and we need to figure out, you know, cause she can't stay here. So they interviewed his daughter, figured some stuff out with her mom and CPS and all that. And they had a family member come get his daughter in the middle of the night and here I am conflicted. I'm thinking, thank God she's going to be safe. And I'm thinking what horror is in store for me for basically having his daughter leave my house from me in the police in the, at night. That's what's going through my head right now too. Yeah. So the police are out looking for him. They're asking me what kind of car he has. They're driving around. They want his address. Nothing happens. He's not answering the phone. Um, we're in different police districts. So that was getting all messed up. They're like, well, this should really be, you know, in his city, those police. And so I just feel like the ball was dropped, but at least his daughter was safe. And like, well, I mean, like, I don't know, is he like a missing person at this point? Like, I mean, he's clearly on the run. Yeah, I honestly am not sure what they considered it. They hadn't really told me a lot on that end of things. Whoa. So I was just happy he hadn't came back to my house. And at this point, I had blocked him again because he had been texting me, you know, stuff about me kidnapping his daughter and all this. While he was gone? Like while he's while he's missing? No. Oh, okay. No, like before. Yeah. So I had blocked him just because I didn't want to deal with that while she was at my house. So I had him blocked. Um, Police are out looking for him. Well, he starts emailing me and he's talking about because he was blocked every other way. Suicide and the emails are getting. Yes. Yeah. The emails are getting more and more garbled. And I did not see them until morning. Um, So he was talking about committing suicide. Yes. Yeah, he's talking about how he doesn't want to live anymore. Um, you know, he feels bad about everything. And again, I did not see these through the night. And then I couldn't make much sense of them by the time he got to the end of the emails. So I called his mom and I was like, you may want to do some kind of safety check because of all this happening. And 
I'm like, don't go over there yourself. Send a police officer. And I told her what was happening. And then apparently it hadn't been the first time that this has happened. So I guess they were somewhat used to some of this. So they call. I'm sitting there kind of freaking out. And then I'm I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to drive out. Because what was going through my mind is here's this person who... Uh, by this time, you know, I'm in love with him. I'm thinking at one point I was going to marry him. And here he is attempting to take his own life. And so I'm rushing there um, in my car, just not thinking. And his mom calls me and she's like, it's okay. They're bringing him to the hospital. Um, He was found in his hot tub and he had drank, you know, a full bottle of, I think it was tequila and took like a bunch of pills. So yeah, it was, it was terrifying. I mean, I've been in some low places, but never that low and never has that crossed my mind. I go to the hospital. They come in with him in handcuffs in a wheelchair. He's all wet from being in the hot tub, shirt off. And he, in a very, very garbled voice, because he's still all drugged up, drunk, whatever, is like, oh, you're here. I love you. And then they take him in some room. Long story short, he gets put in a mental facility and I don't know exactly what they do in those other than probably some classes and also maybe try to determine what medications they need to be on. It's kind of like a lock-in type place. Wow. And after all this, because his parents, they're used to this stuff, you know, because apparently it's not the first time. So he gets out of the mental hospital after, I want to say five days. And suddenly I'm on suicide watch. His family, um, they have a yacht and they took some yacht trip right after all this happened. Kind of like, screw this. We're going to get out of town. And his siblings live in different states. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to deal with this. I am not a professional. Like, I don't want it on my hands. Yeah, they just dumped it on you to go on a yacht trip? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talking about, like, your next in-laws or whatever, these people, oh, my gosh, they were such enablers. And then when the things got tough, they're like, see ya. Well, you also Uh, said, though, this isn't the first time he's threatened it. So this is kind of like a boy cried wolf situation. Exactly. Yeah, I believe they had said this was like the eighth time. Wow. Yeah. But I had never dealt with that in my life ever. So it really scared me. And having someone else's life in your hands is just very scary. Mm -hmm. So I'm on suicide watch. Um, He basically was super suicidal still because of his daughter getting taken away and everything that went down, you know, what do you think is going to happen when you're abusing your kid and you're found out and And you had been to jail. Right. And he wasn't going to go back there. So Mm -hmm. let's, I mean, who knows, maybe he was doing that, you know, because he knew, Hey, I'll just get put in a mental hospital for a couple of days and then I'll be out. At least I won't be in jail because he did avoid that. From this point, he's just a wreck. And I don't know if you've seen that movie, A Star is Born. Yes. Okay. So he was extremely obsessed with that movie and you know what happens in that movie. And so that was freaking me out even more, but he was impossible um, with me trying to be on suicide watch. I feel like it was kind of a, you know, well, I'm going to do this. And it was a way to keep me with him 24 seven, because now if I need to leave or if I need to do anything, then it was brought up. So I was not feeling well. And I had decided to stay home. Um, One night, I decided to stay home with my kids and I'm watching TV and he is blowing my phone up. Like, what are you doing? Where are you? I'm at home. You have my location. Like I'm sitting here watching a movie. And so it's getting later and I'm on the phone with a friend talking in my living room and feeling safe in my own house. And suddenly um, he busts in and again, grabs me off the couch, dragging me by my hair. He starts choking me. I'm screaming, kicking everything else. My middle son's room is in smoke and he hears me. So he runs up the stairs. And at this point he was 15 years old. Um, 
you know, so he wants to be a man and protect his mom. And this is the part that's really embarrassing and hard to talk about because that's my kid. And I had so far shielded them um, from the abuse because I never moved in with him. And when these things would happen, it was typically not ever in front of my kids um, because they're calculated. They know like, oh, we're not going to abuse you in front of other people who could witness it. Mm-hmm. So my middle son comes running up the stairs trying to protect me and he goes after my next and is trying to get him off me. And my next, like I've heard people talk about this on Instagram. It's so true. They have that glazed look in their eyes where they just, when they're in a rage like that. So he had that complete blacked over look um, with the soulless eyes that he's just raging and there's no stopping him. So he goes after my 15 year old. Now I'm screaming. He puts my 15 year old through glass, is choking him. Oh and yeah, and I'm feeling helpless. I'm trying to get him off from him. And he's just shoving me into the wall. He's shoving him through the glass. I'm trying to help him. And I'm screaming. And suddenly these two boys come running up the stairs. And it was my son's friends. They were over. And they were bigger than my son. Um, And they stood there and they were like, dude, you know, get off him. You're beating up a minor. We're going to call the police. And what are they going to say? And they were pretty much like, we'll both come after you. Like, it'll be, you know, four people to one. And so they called the police. And once my next realized, like the police were getting called, he took off. You know, because again, he's not going to go to prison. So the police come and this time they take the shit seriously because there's a minor who's bleeding, who has choke marks on his neck. There's me who has choke marks on my neck, who has um, red marks all over my scalp from where he pulled my hair. They finally caught it, you know, right after the abuse occurred, which is unfortunate just because, you know, (laughs) You could be dead by the time police catch it. Yeah. So he leaves and goes home and the police again can't find him, can't hunt him down. And I don't hear from him for days. And I'm just trying to rectify everything with my family, trying to keep some peace in our house. And here's where the trigger warning comes in. So they finally apparently went to his house. I get a text from his mother saying our son committed suicide (gasps) and it's all because of you oh my god and i get the text on valentine's day holy shit i'm so sorry thank you and it's a whole nother episode to talk about the struggles with that but it's like on the one hand here you're happy that this monster is gone and you can finally sleep at night without worrying about him breaking into your house. But then on the other hand, there's this complete guilt. And then there's the part of you that misses him. So it's been a really long journey with healing, but it's been about two and a half years now. And I have a really good therapist. um, And I guess the good thing that came out of all this is now I can recognize the red flags. My kids know that unfortunately there's monsters like that out there and that they have to look for those red flags too. And that people can just get sucked in, you know, without even realizing it and have it go to this awful point. God, joy. Holy shit. I mean, Anybody listening to this just going, your jaw's got to be dropped. Wow. What a, what a, I don't want to call it the climax of the story, but holy hell. I'm not even sure what to say. I can understand where you're coming from, from the standpoint of like, yeah, the monster's gone, but you're trying to remember the good times. And unfortunately, everything I've read and everything I've heard is all about remember the very bad times, remember the very bad times. And I'm not, you know, I wouldn't wish anybody's death on them, but um, wow. Holy crow. Yeah. And honestly, for me to make it through this podcast without crying, especially when talking about my kids is 
I thought Pretty about much. that. I was like, how is she yeah. not crying? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I kind of had to almost separate myself and disassociate from the story. I mean, I'm sitting here with the notes written down so I can go by bullet points just so that I don't start crying. Yeah. Well, listen, the fact that you can tell the story without crying, and I wouldn't think any less of you if you did, but the fact that you can tell this story and you're getting this story out there, you show a tremendous amount of strength. And I really do admire that. There's going to be people out there who are going to listen to this and say, yeah, happened to me too. I, I guarantee it. You're going to have people that reach out to you and they're going to say, yeah, I know what you went through. So I really do appreciate you doing this. It's kind of crazy. It's a crazy story. But like I said, you show a tremendous amount of strength being able to say it and, and get through it. And whether you cry or not, you're, you're still a very strong chick. And I, I really do admire that. Thank you so much. And yeah, if I can reach even just one person, it will, you know, make me feel like I went through all that for a reason. And hopefully things don't have to get to this point. Right you know, with somebody else. Yeah. Well, anyway, Joy, thank you so much for doing this episode. I really do admire your story and I really do admire your strength. Everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. As always, you can follow me on TikTok and on Instagram at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of the show, please email me at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com. Thank you everybody for listening. And uh, until next time, everybody.